Hello America and to the world at large. Thanks for joining me for The Daily Answer. This is your host, Mark Dunnigan. And in this morning's episode, I want to look at the importance of having not just a, uh, what, a warning system, but an effective warning system. And what what started me thinking about this was that um, I I, I don't watch really any television anymore, and I really try to limit my time on the internet. But tell you what, and usually I'll check kind of my news feed every day, go down through there, just kind of keep up on some things that are going on. One of the stories, though, in that newsfeed, which really kind of caught my attention, that I probably looked at more than the other stuff was what had happened to the Titan submersible, uh, the ship by Ocean Gate. And I am told that the Titan did have monitors on the hull. Um, in fact, uh, it used an RTM, an integrated real-time health monitoring system. And which which was composed of like acoustic sensors and strain gauges at the pressure boundary to analyze the effects of well as they descended further and further into the ocean and with increasing pressure, you know how things were going, how things were going on the whole in real time, and supposedly that system would function in such a way to give enough warning of a problem and allow you then to abort and get back to the surface before um, anything really went sideways, seriously. And yet in 2018, their director of marine operations had some concerns about things. Uh, First of all, I think one concern was, hey, we need to have this we need to have this tested. We need to have this whole certified by like an outside agency. And not only that, but there were concerns that, for example, the transparent viewport on its forward end was only certified to a depth of 4,300 feet. And to reach the Titanic, you have to go down to what, 12.5 about there. And so it was only certified of the depth, like a third of the depth required to reach the shipwreck. And also, the concern was that the RTM, Integrated Real-Time Health Monitoring Sensors and Strain Gauges, would only show when a component is about to fail, often milliseconds before an implosion, that it could not detect existing flaws in the hole before it was too late. And all of that just started me thinking was that... Any warning system you have to be effective needs to give you plenty of time to pull out or for a course correct. Um, I, I guess on the one hand, I appreciate a check engine light that comes on, but at the same time, I mean, that could be anything. Is it is the engine about ready to implode or <laughs> or is it just some... I mean, that check engine light can be something really serious or it can be, I've had it come on when they simply had disconnected the battery and reconnected the battery and had not reset things. And so it was not, you know, it was not really serious. It was not the end of the world. But, and to the audience out there, 
what warning system do you have in your life? Is it a warning system that gives you plenty of time to like, this is not good. We're going to have problems here, but you've got time to abort the mission. You got time to abort the life you're living and to course correct. Or basically, is it almost a warning system that does not go off until, until you're seconds from just blowing up? And that, and as a Christian, that brings me back to the Bible. The Bible does warn me, or the Bible sends me alerts, not seconds before I fall apart. But I'm, if you're younger, it, it's warning you decades before that. And and some passages along that line, one would be just like the your basic course that you're about to take. In the book of Matthew chapter 7, Jesus pointed out, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name, and in your name cast out demons, and in your name perform many miracles? And then I will declare to you, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who work lawlessness. Number of things there. One is that Early on in your life, if you've been reading your Bible, you've been warned that just saying you believe in Jesus is not enough. Just claim to be a Christian. Oh, yeah, I believe in God. Well, that's not enough. Not only that, but just kind of being somewhat, quote, unquote, a good person is not enough because Jesus said you need to do the will of the Father. You need to do what the Bible says, not just kind of a, a general, vague morality where most people would say well you're you're a pretty decent guy you have a job you haven't killed anybody etc you're paying your bills but also there's a warning in verse 22 is it's not enough to be religious either and it's not enough even to be somewhat religiously involved you can you can kind of come up with all sorts of your own rules and miss doing the will of the Father. And unfortunately, a number of denominations have fallen into that trap. They're busy doing a lot of stuff, but it's not the will of the Father. They they got a plan of salvation, but it's not the one in the Bible. They have they worship, but it's not the worship God says he wants in the Bible. They have a mission for their group, but it's not the mission that God gave the church. They have their own like version of morality, but it's not the morality in the Bible. And then it says, therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and acts upon them may be compared to a wise man who built his house upon the sand, or excuse me, built his house upon the rock. And the opposite, the person who heard what Jesus said and did not act upon it, you're building your life on sand. And I mean, that warning, I, I read that warning when I was 20 years old. And so for decades, the Bible's been warning me and it's not enough just to walk around claiming you believe in God. It's not enough just to be religious. It's not even enough to be like, uh, claim to be a Christian and involved in some church if you and that church are not doing the will of God. That is any other foundation that you build your life upon besides obeying what Jesus said, taking the text seriously, 
uh, it's going to implode. It's going to fall apart. There are also a number of passages where I'm told, hey, heads up, heads up. And, and this is decades before you may die and long before you ever may meet Jesus in judgment, is that we're told really plainly and concisely, here are things that will keep you out of heaven. First Corinthians chapter 6 and in verse 9, or do you not know that the righteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Okay, do not ignore the warning light here. Do not ignore the buzzer going off. Neither fornicators, and that's sex outside of marriage. And typically, it's kind of this broad category of all unlawful sexual activity. Nor, and it would include uh, adultery, okay? Nor idolaters, that is, you worship any God other than the God of the Bible. Nor adulterers, you're cheating on your mate. Nor the effeminate, nor homosexuals, okay? A lot of our society says that's okay, that's cool should celebrate that. Paul here says, nope, that's going to keep you out of heaven. Nor thieves, okay, shoplifters, okay, nor the covetous, greedy people, nor drunkards, and whether you snort it or smoke it or drink it, it's the same. Nor revilers, nor swindlers, okay, you're out there cheating people, you're not honest, will inherit the kingdom of God. But then he says an encouraging thing, such were some of you, that is, some of these Christians here had been that. So these are not things that you're doomed to always be. These are none of these are none of these are inborn. And none of these are things that you cannot walk away from. These are things that you can repent of. These are things that you can leave, that you can uh, put aside. And that's just one of many passages. Um that has that similar warning that those that practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. So it's not like you haven't been warned or I haven't been warned. Galatians 5.19 is the same. How, now the deeds of the flesh are evident, which are immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, outbursts of anger, disputes, dissensions, factions, envy and drunkenness, carousing. That would be like drinking parties, clubbing. And things like these, of which I forewarned you, just as I have forewarned you, we've repeated this. When I was with you, I was warning you about this, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. In, in addition to those sort of warnings, we also are given a number of, we're given many examples in the Bible of people that attempted to build upon a, the wrong foundation. In fact, Solomon gives his own personal experience in Ecclesiastes chapter 2 and in verses 1 through 11. And I tell you what, it is a path that I have seen many people go on. It is a very tempting path. It's, it, there is a sense that it's a very American path to go on. And so Solomon creates this path of starting in verse 3 of I'm going to go out there and I, I'm going to, I'm, I'm going to experiment with all the pleasures of life and try to find meaning and happiness. And so like in verse three, I'm going to stimulate my body with wine. He does say, well, my mind was guiding me wisely. And, and I think he's not encouraging to do that. I think what he's saying now, 
I avoided the triumph of becoming an alcoholic. Okay. I avoided that. But other than that, you know, I, I did not become an addict. You know, I tried to say, okay, here's a very dangerous substance. And how do I kind of walk the razor's edge with it? He says, I enlarged my works. Verse four, I built houses for myself, the bigger house, the dream house. Okay, that's fine. But we got this dream house that we want to build on this hill, on this piece of property. I planted vineyards for myself. Man, a lot of people throughout the country, particularly in Oregon, I just want to have a little hobby farm. I want to have my own vineyard. I want to brew my own beer. I want to make my own wine. Man, that would be, that's my goal. That's the ultimate in life. I make gardens and parks for myself. I'm going to get into gardening and I'm going to have this amazing landscaped property with a big garden. We're going to can all our fruits and vegetables and I'm going to have an orchard. And he says, I planted in them all kinds of fruit trees. And so, man, that's cool, right? Picking fruit right off your own property, ponds of water. There's your koi pond. How many people have gone to that? Going to have a pond, a koi pond, pool in the backyard, male and female slaves. We don't have that, but we do have, we have nannies and we have gardeners and we have come people, we have accountants and we have people that come in and do our work for us. And then he talks about, he had flocks and herds, you know, a lot of people going to have some goats, right? Uh, go to get some chickens and um, I mean, going to have some animals, go to get horses, going to have a horse for them. Boy, that'd be cool. And we're, um, and then we're in verse eight, we're just continued to amass uh, money. We've got singers we've got all his concubines or hey got my girlfriend okay got my girlfriend got my live-in got my significant other etc gonna play the field don't want to be tied down and so he says i become great uh, and but in verse 11 he says i considered all my activities which my hands had done and the labor which I exerted, he reached, he's got his dream house on the hill with the vineyard, with the orchard, with whatever animals he wants, with his horses, with his barn, and with all his people that are there to do all the work, all the hired hands and the nannies and the accountants and the gardeners that come in and the, the yoga instructor and all of that. And he's got that and he's got his pond and he's got his koi fish and he's, and he's making award winning this and that. And, you know, he's working with wood. If he's a man, I, I want to work with wood. I want to build my own furniture. Well, he's doing all that. And then he says, behold, it was all vanity and striving after wind. It was empty. It was just an empty. It did not, at the end, it did not completely satisfy. Um, and there is a sense, and I guess I would use that kind of as a warning light. We are told of all the previous failed experiments. And I think we're told that because we're going to be tempted to try those as well, because I think you've just in reading that section, you're going like, well, I know people doing that right now, or I've kind of had that dream of doing that. Okay. Uh, I see countless people having walked down that same path. In addition to that, we're equally another way of you might say in a warning system is we're equally warned against thinking that something just isn't a big deal. It's easy to look at Judas early on, like in John 12, where it says that he was stealing money from the common 
the little common pot that the disciples had. And it would be easy to say, well, but that's just petty theft at the end of the day. No big deal, right? Well, but he betrays Jesus. Ananias and Sapphira were just a little bit dishonest, right? Just kind of a little, they were just a little bit of a gray area there. Not a huge thing, but to God it was. I think also a person might say of David, yeah, David commits adultery, but he only does it once. So once the harm in that, and yet when you read the story of his life, it, everything falls apart. It affects his kids. And he ends up like almost miserable for the rest of his life. And a number of his kids die as well. And it just kind of gets in there and it's insidious. It's easy to think that the rules get in the way of creativity or the rules get in the way of innovation and progress. But we need to be humble on this point. God's rules never get in the way of true progress. Whether they are there to prevent us from regressing and, well, and from blowing ourselves up. Be grateful for the early warning system that God has given you in Scripture. But hey, just like the warning light on your car, if you put some tape over it, if you put your thumb on it, and if you ignore it, it's not really doing you any good. So the Bible's, the warning system in the Bible is only going to profit us if we read it, if we act upon it, if we take it seriously. This is Mark Dunnigan for The Daily Answer. Until next time, see you in the Venny Papers.